Hey guys, it's Josh. As you know by now, we have lost a exceptionally talented and um, hugely influential human being uh, in the last day. Chadwick Boseman passed away at the age of 43. Um, he had been silently, at least publicly, um, dealing with cancer the last few years, even as he made some of the most um, resonant films in recent memory and indelible performances. Um, this, is a, this is a loss that has hit everybody, I feel like, um, tremendously hard. These are hard times. This has been a, a shitty year. <laughs> and this is a, in, in a crappy year, this is one of the one of the worst things that we've had to, to deal with because Chadwick Boseman was in his prime. He was just getting started and he was not only a fantastic actor, but a, a good man, a, a truly a, a, a guy that had his priorities right and wanted to contribute and was in it for the right reasons and was delivering um, just great work after great work and, and, no one can can say that uh, there wasn't there wasn't going to be decades more of exceptional work to come. Um, yeah, the, the, this loss really hit me hard as it as it's hit many people hard, and I felt compelled to to go back this morning. I listened to my conversation with Chadwick back in late 2017. He came into my office. He was promoting Marshall, um, the biopic where he played Thurgood Marshall, and we had a we had a chat, and I hadn't listened to it since then, and it it uh, it's uh, it hit me again really hard as as very sad, but also really inspiring. Um, Chadwick was just like a very intelligent, um, inspiring figure. I don't know how else to put it. He his trajectory um, in becoming an actor and becoming a ginormous movie star was unusual. He became a movie star in his basically in his mid thirties with virtually no film roles prior. He'd been living a life as a teacher and a bit player and actor uh, in, in TV and, and in theater. Um, he wanted to be a writer. He wanted to be a director. He wanted to be part of the creative process, but didn't necessarily think he wanted to be the, the guy in front. And at a certain point, um, circumstances changed and he became that guy and he it's shocking to think how close we came to not even having him as an actor and a movie star um that you know if things had gone a different way he could have lived a relatively anonymous life in the theater uh, and as a teacher and that would have been a life well lived but the fact that he you know delivered on such a big stage um is to all our benefit and um, you know, I, I can't. I, you know, I'm not going to pretend that Chadwick was like a close friend, but he was an acquaintance. He was somebody that I, I got to know a fair amount in recent years. Um, and he just had a, an amazing combination of humility and power, if that makes any sense. Um, he knew he was talented, but he also knew um, there was a weight on his shoulders. And he knew that it was an opportunity that he had to make the most of, and he did. 
he was writing, he was producing, he was starring as these seminal influential figures and doing them justice time and time again. Um, so I, I don't know what else to say except um, I wanted to share this conversation um, because it is inspiring, I think, to hear his words and to hear how vibrant he was and hear um, just what a good guy he was and what a smart guy he was and what a talented man he was. And I, I'm so sorry for this loss for all of us and especially to his family. And um, I hope this is some kind of small snapshot and tribute to Chadwick um, because he always treated me very decently and was very kind and sweet with me. And, uh, and I, I really, really enjoyed our, our time together. And I will, um, I'll miss him on a personal level and I'll miss him on a professional level. Um, so this is my conversation with Chadwick Boseman from, um, 2017. Um, rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Human conversation, as if we're two normal human beings. Hey, or we can do it as as dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the only official dog podcast. That's Chadwick Boseman's. What are you doing? Which dog is that, Chadwick? This is a. That was a great day, and I switched dogs. It's been a long (laughs) test tour. Clearly, you've lost it. What must I be like that? (laughs) (laughs) They're singing. They're dog noises. All right, let's go. Let's go. Um, it's good to see, man. We've never really talked at, at length, so this is a treat for me. I've been a big fan of your work for a while, and um, congratulations on this latest one, man. Marshall's the film we're going to talk about. But Thank you so much, man. We have some time to talk about a lot of things. So, so uh, well, one thing I want to get started with, if that's cool, is talk about New York, because I didn't realize you had like a history here. Like a long, like you, you were here for a bit. Yeah, New York always feels... I mean, I'm still, it's still home. I still have family here. My brother lives here. Um, cousins here, got children here. Like, yeah, it's it's uh, um, some of my greatest teachers are here. So yeah, New York is definitely a home for me. It's funny because I, I found like a surprising point of um, uh, connection that we have in that. Like, my mom runs like a nonprofit theater organization here in New York mm-hmm. and works a lot with the Schomburg. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize that you did some teaching there for a number of years. I taught some students at the Schomburg, yeah, for for a number of years. Taught theater. Taught uh, really was like. And, you know, Africana studies mm-hmm. um, during a program that they have on a weekend. Sometimes they meet uh, every once in a while. They do stuff during the week, but mostly it's weekend. So where were you at in your life when you came to New York? Give me a sense of sort of like where that fit into the, the Chadwick Boseman story. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I was a struggling artist. Yeah. You know, I, I, the best way to put it is, you know, I was, I was doing everything I could artistically to sort of stay in it, um, including music stuff. Like we, you know, it was, I was doing hip hop theater, um, you know, which is basically we would take the, you know, the, the elements of hip hop and put it in a story. So the, the, um, the dialogue would sometimes be rhyming or, you know, I wrote a, a, a one script. It was almost like you're, you're, Looking at Shakespeare, but it's hip hop slang. Right. Um, and is that partially to make it like um, accessible for uh, different audiences? Nah, or it was of- just the it was just the culture we were living in. I think we, you know, we started doing it in D.C. when I was at Howard, and it just became a method of expression. It was it was a like like an offshoot of the underground hip hop. Uh-huh. Um, 
you know, uh, underground hip hop movement and the performance poetry movement slash the dance because we had b boys, we had DJs, with like the orchestra. It was a whole. So just like using the vernacular yeah. of the time, what we the yeah. way we converse yeah. and yeah. applying that to yeah. some classical. Yeah, like too. yeah, it wasn't like oh, let's make this cool for the kids. <laughs> right. no, no, it was it was just that was the way we 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 told stories. And then the the hip hop theater festival existed. I, I guess it still exists. I haven't I haven't seen it in a couple of years. But it existed in, in New York for years, various different types of performance, th- different ways of doing hip-hop theater. And so now we see, you see Hamilton, that is like the ultimate extension the, the, of the, all the, the, the commercial version <laughs> right, of what right. we were doing. But, um, so you, you know, see Hamilton, you're like, yep, been there, done that. Pretty much, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. But no, it's not, not to take anything no, away from it, not. but yeah, it's, yeah. it is literally like we were doing that way before. So, Amazing. Um, you know, so I was doing a little bit of everything. Doing sh- I was doing Shakespeare. I was directing. I was writing. I was doing every little reading that anybody anybody had. So I just wanted to be in the mix and be an artist, you know. Were you, were you making a living? Like, were you able to, like, kind of get by? Well, I was to some degree, but I also was teaching at the Schomburg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, everybody knows what that, like, teaching artist thing was. But, yeah, it was a gradual thing. I think you... When you walk that road and you're truly, um, you know, I have a lot of people that will tell me they want to be actors and they're in L.A. or they're in, you know, uh, Atlanta, you know, and they're like, they're like, you know, how do you do it? Like, you know, and they have no idea, you know, because they think it's all about showing up in front of the camera. They have no idea how many rooms I sat in with other performers not just actors performers and we just wanted to create you know yeah. we weren't even thinking about where we're going to get paid that was an afterthought um and so i tell people it's just like it's you have to love what you do first yeah and and you know all the other stuff will come i'm not saying don't be business minded but uh you know i can always tell whether somebody really loves it or they just they just want the the outcome were you, and did you have, besides stuff like teaching at the Schomburg, did you have like, kind of like, did you have to wait tables? Did you have to do any of that kind of stuff? Or was I never, it, I never did. acting gigs? Yeah, I never, fun? I just did enough stuff that just was. to get by. That, yeah. <laughs> well, it was, it was like, it was like, I, I want to stay in the midst of this. If I'm right. teaching it, I'm learning. If I'm, if I'm. Everything fed into it, what you want. Yeah, if I, if, if I'm doing voiceovers, I did a lot of voiceovers. I, I didn't really, I didn't do um, you know, on camera commercials, because right. um, I was like, I don't really want to. I don't know if that's my, you know, there's a sort of an elitist feeling. I don't want to do on camera commercials. I just want to be like that Robert De Niro type actor, you know. <laughs> with a, CW show. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to be the seventh lead on Gossip Girl. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I, I, I did voiceovers a lot. You know, I did, and that pay actually that actually got yeah, me. Yeah, voiceovers do take Voiceovers pay. pay. You like what? <laughs> Thank you. What kind of voiceovers did you do? Thank you. Thank you. What was the best good? Fast food. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Lots of fast food. (laughs) Any particular lines come to mind? Subway. I I don't remember the line. (laughs) You flushed those out. I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah, I flushed those out of my system. Yeah. So... I mean, it that's is, a good word for it. Uh, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it is fascinating because that—that's kind of like the big picture thing that that really struck me when I was reading up on you that people. Don't I even realize. I even did yeah, I even please. did a, um, an audio book. I did an audio oh, yeah. book that got nominated for a Grammy. Like, nice. yeah. And did I, you get the and nomination? I, or and you... I can't even remember. Upstate. That was the name of it. Upstate. Okay. Yeah. I forgot the name of that thing. <laughs> I feel like your whole team was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> In the room. Yeah. Forgot about that. <laughs> 
so it was good too. <laughs> I'm sure, but it, it, it's interesting because yeah, for those that don't like look at your full body of work and kind of like look at the timeline, you know, you have a very atypical trajectory mm-hmm. for an actor. Mm-hmm. Like as you well know, it's like in this like kind of youth obsessed culture where it's like give me the 22 year old and he's going to be the next big star. It took you a bit to kind of like make the leap. Yeah, and I didn't want it. That was the thing about it. It was like. I truth I truthfully was more interested at one point in time I think in writing and and um you know I was you know reading books I I didn't I didn't necessarily want it I didn't I didn't want that I I was like kind of crazy like well, what was, so what was it that about you were saying like kind of like I mean did you feel like you were it, it was, better than a, a, not in a negative way I'm not trying to like make you sound like holier than now but like were you just not into kind of sort of like the opportunities that were presenting themselves or it was, I think that I think you can be, it's weird to say this, but you can, you can not define, you know, I'm not saying that it was a good thing at all. Uh, but you can exist in a place where you have a certain amount of, um, uh, you have a certain amount of success amongst your peers Mm. You have a certain amount of success amongst amongst artists around you, um, and you view them as being as good as anybody that you see on TV. Right. Um, even and if so, they're not famous, even you know, if they're not like famous, the yeah. I'm like, yeah. you know, you know, I did anybody to mess with anybody from my clan. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that's <laughs> how you them up against that's, anybody. That's right? how you feel. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it's 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 a thing of uh, I remember. There was a producer, Woody King Jr., who I love, um, who who is over New Federal Theater, mm-hmm. um, Off Broadway Theater, and he kept telling me, "Man, you got to go out to L.A." Man, he was pushing me to go out to idea one of his plays. He said, "We're gonna do the play out," and, and I was like, "Nah, I don't. You know, it's Hollywood. I don't feel like." So I had this sort of misconception about what it, what Hollywood was. Right. And then I also had at another point when I did want to go, um, a set of agents who I think really didn't believe in me. And they kept saying, you're going to go out there, you're going to get swallowed up. So they produced this sort of fear of what it was. Mm. And I think so, sometimes you can be in, in New York or Chicago, because Chicago is also a really good hub where you can do theater. Amazing theater town, yeah. And, and there's quite a bit of TV and film there too. Um, but you can be in a certain hub and have... Um, you know, a success or following, and people know who you are. Casting directors know who you are. Sure. But if if you don't go out to L.A., you know, and you get the whole scope of the thing, mm. then you don't understand what you're actually missing. So, well, and there's also the kind of like if you never go out to L.A. and go for it, you can kind of always be the guy be like, well, I didn't even bother with that. Like you'll never know right. whether you were exactly good enough or lucky enough or whatever because yeah. you. You nipped it in the bud before you even had a chance to yeah. succeed. Yeah, and so there's there's a certain amount of amount of the business, amount of the industry that takes place. It, you know, a lot of movies don't get shot in LA anymore. A lot more, more stuff is shot in Atlanta than totally. anywhere. Yeah. Um, and so, but but the decisions are made there. And so I, you know, was competing. I was actually competing with people who were in front of the people who were making the decisions and getting close, even though I never met those people. Right. So, but it's a different thing when you walk in the room and you and you come there. I always say, if you go to L.A. with New York hustle, nothing can stop you. Totally. So once I showed up, it was like, oh, that's it. Like, yeah. Now we got New York hustle. We're in L.A. <laughs> 
so did, give me this mic. <laughs> <laughs> so did what was the life that you were envisioning for yourself long term here? Like you you were getting by, you were you were you know you were mm-hmm. living, and you were in this like sounds like really great cultural and artistic community where you were inspired. Mm-hmm. So were you content to like? Like this is the next fifty years of my life, doing bit parts here and there, doing theater here and there, teaching where I had to, and and this is going to be know, fun. I don't think I don't think I knew. I mean, I had plays that were being done throughout the country that I had written, that you written yeah. and um, you know, I had you know, I was doing you know roles on like guest starring roles or recurring roles, um, more so guest star roles, <laughs> <laughs> more so guest star roles um on tv things here i was getting close to things here yeah. and you know there was theater um i was doing some theater off broadway like acting in in theater off broadway and and directing things here and there so i didn't really know mm-hmm. like they, all of those roads could lead to a substantial success sure you know any one of them and it wasn't like i was far away from any of them right so it was just it was just a keep your head down and at some point yeah, it's gonna yeah i it, all, all of those things i was doing very well at, well that if i saw somebody and they, they told me my exact story and they would say well, what do i do i'd be like you're doing just great keep going yeah, until... you just keep going and so it was it was just a thing of, you know, it had to be the right thing yeah. to, to tip me over. Um, and was, was writing and directing and acting, um, was doing all three of those things um, equally creatively satisfying and inspiring? Was it, was it sort of strategic yes. or, or was, yes. it, was it? Yes, the answer is yes, yeah. yes. The, it was equally, like, like in other words, they're, they're all different. Um, you know, I still... You know, I have a film right now that we're uh, that I've written that we have a director on that, you know, we're working on in a studio. And so I enjoy the process of sitting in the room. And in this way, I have a writing partner. If I have if you have a good writing partner, it's even better. Sure. You know, but sitting in a room uh, where you you don't have to collaborate with, you know, 100 people. Um and you are sort of living in this, like once you start writing something, yeah. the weird thing that happens once you start putting the, the pen to paper or you start typing it up, uh, you begin to walk around sort of in your own story. Yeah. Things begin to come to you. And that, that process is a very, um, it's, it's liberating and, and um, uh, spiritual and, and it's, it's, it's exhilarating that you get to create this world um, with with your words, it's it's. I love that process yeah. um, just as much as I love acting. Well, I was gonna say like when things started on the acting front to really like gain momentum, um, and I guess forty two is pretty is is the breakthrough is mm-hmm. the one that really like suddenly uh, jump starts it all. It seems like you didn't waste much time in terms of yeah the acting is is has now kicked up to another level. But you're a producer, for instance, on Marshall, mm-hmm. right? So and you talk about this other film you're developing. Like you're not like compartmentalizing and saying like, okay, now's the time just to act and I'll, 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 there's, it's a long life. I'll get to that other stuff when I get to it. You're like, you're using the capital you've kind of like gotten from being cast in a Marvel movie, et cetera, to help these other projects and to fuel these other creative pursuits. Well, well, it also helps the projects that, that, that you know about too. It helps the projects that I'm, that I'm, that's why I have a producing credit Mm. on Marshall is because I actually act like a producer on the film. I care about it on that level, you know, I'm giving notes on the script. 
Because um, we know some, some actors get that credit. That's not necessarily the case. Yeah, they're not necessarily <laughs> doing that. You know, yeah. I will go shake hands and kiss babies so sure. we can get the money or whatever it, it too, is. Yeah. yeah. So it, it it's for me, you know, I it's not like I'm just, I just have the credit. I have the credit because I deserve it. Right. And I feel like the the those other tools that I have as a writer, as a director, come into play when I play the lead. If I play in the lead... I'm thinking about the whole film in a similar way mm. as the director or the producer. Um, I'm concerned not just about my character. I'm concerned about how the character fits in with all these other characters and whether this person's wardrobe is right or sure. not. You know, so you know, for me, it's, it is it is always the bigger picture whether or not I have the producing credit or whatever it is. It's interesting because you know that first quote-unquote big film 42 playing Jackie Robinson and I, I not exactly the same way but you know I've talked to I've had the privilege of talking to Harrison Ford in the past and I, and I know enough about him and the, the way he talks about his approach to filmmaking and he talks about story he talks about sort of being a cog in that wheel and and in, in, in some similar ways to what you're talking about mm-hmm. in that like yeah, he's got a job to do but he's not just on set just thinking about his job the thing about Harrison Ford is you know, at the end of a day, I remember, I'll never forget this. At the end of, of one of our days, we were on the baseball field and they were like, this is the martini. And Harrison Ford picks up a broom and starts sweeping. Wow. <laughs> and he did it more than once. He did it. We're outside. We did it inside. Wasn't he, an ironic he, sweep. No, no, no. He was like, no, he was like, he was like, he was like I'm going to help clean up. This, this is it. And I was like, what? <laughs> now I'm like, where's the dustpan? I gotta do something, you know. <laughs> I gotta do. I gotta do something. He's sweeping. You know what I'm saying? He's yeah. he's blue collar. You know what I'm saying? He's not. He's not just sitting around waiting on people to uh, to look after him. I mean, he will do that too. Sure. But you know. <laughs> but uh, but but yeah, he picked up the broom. It's interesting because you know that film. If you look at your you know your credits, I mean taking out the, the TV stuff that you'd done here and there before then, film-wise, you really hadn't done that much prior to 42. Right. You kind of made, like, again, we're talking about this kind of strange, circuitous, circuitous path, um, this leap to, like, leading man roles, mm-hmm. like, without having to do a ton of supporting parts in film. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious... Did you feel like it was a jump, or did you feel again you weren't like 22 years old? You'd lived a life, you'd been you'd been living living this very um, artistically, culturally rich life in the theater. So did it feel like oh shit, I'm out of my element, or oh shit, I'm ready for this? This is what I prepared for. Yeah, it felt like I was ready for it. You know, it, it you know for me, I had been preparing for this all that time, yeah. and and. Uh, and so it wasn't. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, I'm not ready to play a lead role. I was like, well, shoot, if I don't, I got to do it. You know, I have to do it now. And I've been, you know, if I if I use the skills that I have, yeah. I'm I'm ready to do this. And I've done it on stage, which I think is you know sometimes harder. So, um, you know, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, this is just a different stage. Sure. And, and you know, I have the benefit of them yelling, cut, and saying, I want to do it again. Like that's that's a luxury. That's actually. a luxury. Yeah. <laughs> Did um, it seems like you, like many performers, probably get off on sort of like the physical challenges of roles. If you look at some of these kind of early leading roles, like you know, some commonality beyond the fact that you've played a bunch of real life people, of course, is the fact that um, Jackie Robinson, you know, get on up. I mean, uh, uh, Black Panther. These are all roles where you have the physicality is a huge 
part mm-hmm. of the of the role. Is that fair to say that that's like a key for you to kind of find your character? Um, I, I, the weird thing is that I would say that I always start really, really small and internal. Mm. Um, it, it always starts more, more like a, a like a, a whisper, more like meditation, more like um, stillness than anything. Because I feel like I, I don't want to, I don't want to pull things that that don't belong um, into this new space, into this new journey. Um, and I may have tendencies that, that I'm bringing into it. So it's important to like sort of get to a ground zero before you start. No, that makes sense. You so, don't want to make the big choices early right, on. Right, right. And so send you down the wrong path. Yeah, so it, it actually, to me, the more important part is the internal part. And I think from that, you begin to see a whole lot of different dynamics mm. um, because you're still, you know, so... Uh, the physicality of like this obviously you obviously you need a physicality for all these roles um, and, and maybe not so much for Marshall but there is a physicality to, to the swagger to, there a, too yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it, it, to me I think it's more so than the movement it is the changing like changing well what does he look like right. you know what is how do I change my body um, to look like this person and that person because I've had to play these roles. Right. Um, you know, trying to find some some kind of in physical ends up happening, but I don't think it's the place I start. Are you trying to find like the overlap in terms of who you are and who the person is, whether that's like, because I know you, you've talked about how one of the things to get over for you and taking this role was you didn't look like him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's mm-hmm. a big, you know, that's something that's something to kind of uh, mm-hmm. get over psychologically, I guess. To, right. And make sure that everybody in the family, whatever is on board. Yeah. Like for, you know, the overlaps are always going to happen. There's always going to be some, some things that are the same. And you don't have to focus on those things as much. You do need to acknowledge them so yeah. you don't, like, leave them out. Sure. Um, so in this case, you know, he he went to how we walked some of the same hallways, even though it was a different time period. Right. You know, he went to Howard University grad, graduated from there. I went to Howard University. Right. So there's a certain understanding about, about what that means. Sure. Like, because you're taught about the past at Howard. So I get, you know, I would get a little bit of Thurgood Marshall. Um, from being there. Uh, also, he spent time in New York, spent time in Harlem. And even though it's a different time period, it's a renaissance, you know, New York is always going to be sort of a tastemaker when it comes to the rest of the world. So sure. you, you have this guy going into um, small towns or southern towns or towns in the north. He's from New York, and people are going to look at him. As, he's one of those New Yorkers, but he's also a tastemaker. Right. He's also a person not only... Um, coming there trying to bring um, a certain brand of justice that should exist throughout the country, but he's bringing a, a certain style, you know, a certain way of doing things, a certain way of talking, you know. Uh, there's There are stories of, of people coming into town to see Thurgood Marshall try a case mm. because it had a theatricality to it. So it does, back to the physicality, it does end up being a right. thing of, you know, presence, you know, do, do you 
for, for those that don't know a little bit about this film in particular, you know, it's not like the Cradle to Grave biopic, right. which is which is frankly um, tough to do, and you know, you and you know that better than, than anybody. But like this one is is an interesting take. Reginald Hundlin, by the way, is, is the director. That's an interesting uh, filmmaker. When I heard that name associated with this, I was like, okay, that's this is going to be interesting. Um, and it's it's as much a courtroom drama. Mm-hmm thriller political or not political uh, courtroom thriller as, as it is a biopic um, do you feel like that that inform like that you still get across kind of like the life of this man even though it's like a, a finite period of time yes yes well the thing about it is you know you because you since you brought up Reggie um, this movie is you know Reginald Hudlin has written Black Panther yeah you know he's written other comics he has new comic books coming out right now um, so he has that genre, you know, always sort of lingering in his work, you know, the idea of, of that superhero. So this is actually like a superhero origin story. Totally feels like an origin story. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, because <laughs> yeah. ultimately for those who know who Thurgood Marshall ends up becoming, right. you know, he, he, he becomes the guy that, um, wins 29 of 32 cases in the Supreme Court becomes a Supreme Court justice and himself makes laws. Uh, and I skipped Brown versus Board of Education. But, <laughs> that little thing, know, too. Yeah. That little thing <laughs> that allows us to sit beside each other in school. Um, but he becomes this person, um, but he's not that person in this story. Right. So the origin of this superhero is is like, well, how does he get to that point? That's mm. this movie. And I think also... You have this man who who has the odds against him, or the odds of time and space. Yeah. Like he's racing across the country to fight injustice in several places. That's a that's a superhero theme, mm-hmm. you know. Time and space being your enemy, um, even though you may have the power, you can't save everybody. Right. So uh, it's also kind of like the superhero in secret. Like he's kind of like the background. Yeah. Like he can't be the front facing exactly hero. Exactly. So. It's, it's, it has all of those elements. So I feel like, you know, in doing this movie, uh, there's, there's even the Western. There's even, like, the, the guy coming into town uh, to... That's, why we, that's literally why they call it Marshall. He's the guy coming in, into town to implement justice. That's awesome. He only works alone. He doesn't work with, want to work with this guy. So that's... The books are his Josh. guns. Yeah, the books are his guns. <laughs> so I, it, the weird thing about it is... When I read all that, and you and and I realized, well, this is actually his real story. Mm. You know, you absolutely get the history. Like it's it's crazy that it is true. It is crazy that that he actually did have that swagger. It's crazy that he was that charismatic, and it's crazy that he actually tried those number of cases. Mm. But you get the sense of what he's going to become and the history. Like it's this one little story they tell about. Howard in in the film as I'm eating a sandwich like you right. know I, I tell the story about how I you know um, sued the University of Maryland I went to Howard and how it wasn't a good school and it ends up becoming a great law school it, that the history is sort of told in a sort of like in passing way right and you don't get bogged down in it um, in this movie I mean, the, if there is some com- commonality in, in some of these characters you've played kind of early in your film career, um, 
you know, a bunch of icons, whether it's comic book heroes, literally or, or figuratively, these these real life kind of champions of justice and, and change and arts. Um, like, to, is there a desire for you to be like the nebishy, like like less um, heroic person? Yeah. I mean, it is because I mean it's great to play the hero and play play these icons, but. Um, wouldn't it be nice to play something with less like uh, yes. uh, import attached to it? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Like you know, not to say that I don't want to want this to continue, but but you want to have variety. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You want to you want to you want to be the everyday man. You know, and so um, it, it's the truth is like you know that's what I was looking for when this came. Right. You know. I I don't want to say I, that's what I was looking for when Black Panther came because you know I was definitely looking for Black Panther to come, but um, you know I was looking for that you know everyday modern guy that yeah. that you you know and and those scripts have have come and I've agreed to do them and they've they've fallen apart too yeah. like so it's not like I haven't tried. It's easier to greenlight the kind of the bigger stories yeah. in a way. So. Um, when was the first conversation about Black Panther? Can you give me a little bit of the timeline now? It's I, I, according to like what I'm reading, it seems like it's about three years ago. Does that sound about yeah, right? We were doing, I don't even know when. I don't know what the day is. So you talking about like going back years? Well, I, well, I <laughs> like, what I'm curious about is how long? How much? How, how much time? Were, how long were you talking before like that official big announcement that you guys? We were on the press. I'm gonna look over here because I, I may may get some help. Uh, I was. On the press tour for Get On Up, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know what year that okay, was. That's right a now, it's like but, but uh, I was on the press tour for Get On Up over like we were. I was in Zurich, and um, I actually didn't have uh, international calling on my phone. And on that day, I heard a voice say, "You need to get international calling on your phone. Call your mom right now." Like she, because you know you can't get your your mom to use Skype or anything. Like you're just not gonna do it. Yeah. It's like it wasn't working. So I got international, called my mom, and that night my agent called me while we were out, or else you know I wouldn't have gotten this phone call if I hadn't done that. He called me while we were out, and he, and he said, "Hey, you you need to get on get on the phone with Marvel, and in uh in like 15 minutes." And I was like. I'm walking on a red carpet. He's like, get off the red carpet and have this phone call. So it happened. This was probably like, uh, I want to say it was September, October. Help me. <laughs> like it was it yeah. was like two or three months before it was announced. And what was that call? Was that like literally, was that an offer or like would you be open to this? Because you never auditioned, right? You never had to do the screen yeah, test or no, anything. It was just like we heard you were interested. You were interested in this role. Um, I think you know what it is. You know, Marvel is funny. I think you know what it is. <laughs> Don't make me say it out loud. <laughs> Don't make me say it out loud. And I was like, if it's what I think it is, yes, I want to do it. And they were like, oh, cool, because we think we're going to bring this character into the movie we're doing right now, which is obviously became Civil War. Sure. And um, and then essentially they were like, everybody's here. Like Everybody was on the phone call. Um, Feige, the Russo brothers, Nate Moore. It was like, uh, 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 Luis Esposito everybody was on the phone call and so I was like okay uh, yeah of course I'll do it and and I think um, I was in Portugal um, maybe 
two weeks later, mm-hmm. and then the actual offer came in. So, but I had to be quiet for a couple of months. It's it's amazing to think. I mean, like because if you look at any of the other leading guys, like they all had to audition. Whether it's Downey, Evans, Hemsworth, they had to fight tooth and nail. Not to say you didn't fight for it, you put right. it out there. Right. But it's a pretty cool position to be in the way this went down. Right. Oh, I don't. I can't tell you why it went that way for me. Um, right. But uh, were, were you? Well, he, I'm curious because we were talking about sort of like being creatively involved, and you had the unique opportunity of being involved in this um, before a director was attached. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, so did that help you kind of like steer? Were you able to kind of steer the direction of the character because you kind of came on board so early on? Do you feel like like any early notes that you gave to Kevin and company um, have lasted through the development process? Yes, to where we are today. Yes, I would I would definitely say so. Um, you know, and, and the thing about it is the 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 character. You know, the, first of all, Marvel I think is really smart, um, and they're going to take any great ideas and 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 use them and i feel like he, the director that they ended up bringing on Ryan Coogler is also really smart so we just the collaboration process when when everybody in the room wants something to work ego is out of the way um and there's a passion for for something um ultimately that's that's you have a great chance of making something special yeah so yeah, there were certain things that I loved um, about the character even before I knew it was coming that I had written in a journal and I told him everything I, I loved about Black Panther before we started. Can you give me an example of like something you said? Uh, oh, Jesus. There's a, like for instance, there's a particular scene um, with I see, I don't want to tell. <laughs> you almost got me. Almost got you. You almost I got me. Almost <laughs> Got me. Oh, Jesus. I almost did it. No, I can't tell you nothing. <laughs> okay, I, can't, I, I can't tell you A couple nothing. quick things before you go. Because, yes, we'll have time to talk about this more in length, yeah, at length when yeah. it comes out. Have you seen a cut of the film, though? Have you seen? I haven't seen a complete cut, no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you feeling good? I feel good. Yeah, I feel good. You have to also feel good about sort of the early reception. I mean, like, you know, in a different way, you know, Wonder Woman went through this, like, where it felt like before it came out, like, the weight of the world was on this film. Like, right. if this doesn't succeed, like, this, it was like, oh, that could be it. For, we might have to wait five years for another female-led superhero See, I film. didn't feel that way. I thought Wonder Woman was going to do well anyway. No, I hear you. But, like, there was, who knows? We don't know now. I, like, I, I felt like Wonder Woman was going to do well, and I thought, and I automatically thought that there would be other chances because there was also you know captain marvel sure that was already yeah yeah. so i was like i was like they're they're gonna make this work one way or the other because they have to they have to do it i didn't i didn't feel that way but i am glad that that one of wonder woman was successful so what about for for black panther do you think like god forbid for whatever reason it doesn't work with audiences the cyborg not get greenlit do you feel like a weight of that in terms of like i actually that's what i'm saying i feel the weight of it from from that perspective way more i think we walked into this saying we can't fail like oh my gosh like i don't want to mess this up like yeah. it'll be the worst thing in the world if we don't get this right um and i'm not saying it did i don't know what other people felt but i just know i look at it and i go as a black man <laughs> you don't want to be the guy i don't want to be the, yeah i didn't want to be the guy that didn't that didn't you know didn't do it well are you ready to play this character for another decade of your life? Are you like... 
Sure. Sure. I haven't I haven't signed my life away to ten more films, but but uh, you know I want to I want to play it as long as I should play it, and um, you know I want to also play other stuff. I want to have that still have that flexibility in my in my um, body of work. Are, are you done with uh, Atlanta for Avengers three and four? I don't know if, how involved you are in those, but. Uh, I can't answer. Oh that. boy! <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like there might be some fights in your future. Okay. I can't. I can't answer that question. <laughs> okay. Well, last thing on it. I would, has, I would, has it been fun to mix it up with this kind of insane cast and kind of play against a, a few different characters you probably haven't had an opportunity? We're talking. We're talking about Marshall. I'm talking, talking, I'm talking about Avengers. Now. Avengers. Yeah. Oh man, I love everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, like everybody is is where they are for a reason. Let me put it like that. Like, I want nobody. With nobody from my clan. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody. Is I'm, Downey, I'm, is I'm paraphrasing that because I, 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 you know, I'm trying to be clean on you. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> this audience knows better. Um, is, is, would you consider Downey a mentor? Is he somebody that? Absolutely. Nobody did it better. You know what I'm saying? Like not just just on screen, but just the way he lives. Yeah. Like he's a cool. He's a cool person. Um, he's sincere about you know the things that he believes in. Um, he sincerely wants you to do well. Uh, yeah, definitely. And to everybody, he is. How, uh, m- moving past Marshall and, and the Avenger stuff, um, you mentioned the script that you've been developing. You have a director attached. Uh, how, when do you think we're going to see you direct? Because obviously that was an early ambition. Do you think um, will you have time to squeeze that in into? Yeah. Yeah. I, it probably won't be in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, maybe 2019. Nice. And theater, who knows? I mean, it's tough when you have all these opportunities. It's tough to kind of yeah. It's just it just all. trying to figure out the time yeah. is 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 the issue. Is like when um, yeah. you know I don't know how many conversations I have with with people and that's like come on let's do something together. I'm like yeah let's do it and it's like when I'm booked eighteen months. For yeah, the next like months of my life. It's, it's, it's it's a good you know good champagne problems. problems. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, as I said, I, I, I was looking forward to this because we haven't had a chance to talk at length, and, and I've good. and I've been a, a real admirer of your work, and to, and to hear you talk so eloquently about um, the interesting path that you you've been on, and the and the cool kind of choices you're making. Um, uh, I think it's probably inspiring to a lot of young actors out there that might be listening to this. Yeah, like for me, it's the it's the thing of I think you should always choose what you love, and what you love might not have a lot of money attached to it. Right. And that's that's if you go back to the early part of our conversation, what you love, it, it may not pay that well. Um, and so there's certain decisions you need to make for uh, the sake of, of, you know, business. But other decisions need to remain true to the art because in the end, that's what you get known for. Totally. You get known for that. And those things do eventually pay. Yeah. Well, you put in the work, man, and all, the, all your success is clearly well-deserved. Um, Hopefully this is the first uh, long chat of many. Yep. Congrats, man. Thank you. Thank you. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. (laughs) 